Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. Often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. I am back with Zazie Todd because her book, her, the science of making your cat happy, is so chock full of wonderful information. Advice as well. I'm good on giving advice. She's good on giving information, facts, research from around the world about what works for cats, what doesn't work for cats in terms of truly making them happy. Zazie created the website Companion Animal Psychology. She has a PhD in psychology and an advanced certificate in feline behavior from International Cat Care. She's also a big lover of dogs, and her book, Wag, is also the bomb. So that is something to think of if you want to give a gift to some of your dog-owning friends. Zazie, welcome back. And I'm interested in the chapter on cats and their people and about cats' attachment to their people, which has been studied quite a bit. And there was a very recent study that I read about that goes a step further. But let's talk first about what you found and what you bring to the book about cats' attachment to their people and that we need to understand it differently. We don't always understand what the cat is telling us or what it wants, do we? No, we don't. And thank you so much. It's lovely to chat with you again. And this actually was my favorite chapter of the book to write because oh, nice. there is this stereotype of cats as not caring about their people at all. Right. Um, and it was really interesting to look at the different aspects of research that have been done on how cats like to interact with their guardians, not just on attachment, although I think that's really interesting, but also on the way that they meow at us, um, how they respond when we try to interact with them and the fact that they know that when we're paying attention to them, when we're not paying attention to them. And I think all of these things are really interesting and they really speak to, I think, what cat guardians know, but which has been harder for scientists to investigate, which is the depth of the bond between a cat and their person. So I really loved finding out more about this science and writing this chapter of the book. It kind of was my favorite. I can see um, why, because it, it does tell people things that they people who love cats and love the cats they live with, it tells them things they kind of knew but they didn't really know, in a sense. You know about, for example, as you said, and you can go into more depth, cats' attention and perception. We don't think about whether they're interacting with the words we're saying to them, the looks we're giving them, our body language. That's been studied up the river with dogs. But talk about, about the studies that have been done, 6,000 interactions between pet cats and their female, female owners, in, a, in a, a fancy academic journal. Talk about that. 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And it's really nice to have a study that has so many interactions in it because for obvious reasons, a lot of studies are actually quite small because it's very time-consuming and quite difficult to yes. study. Yes, yes. Um, so in, in this study, they looked at 6,000 interactions between the cat and, and, and the, the guardian. And what they were looking at was what happens when the person tries to interact with the cat and what happens when it's the other way around and it's the cat trying to initiate the interaction with the guardian or the person. And what they find is, I mean, this probably seems like common sense when you know it, but it's really important to know that we have the scientific evidence to show it too because that helps us to build on our, on, on our knowledge. So what it showed is that it works much better if the cat is the one who initiates the interaction. So the more people try to interact with the cat, the less successful they are, the more the cat is likely to wander off and, and not <laughs> want the fuss and the, and the affection. But if, they, if the cat is allowed to initiate the interaction and come close to them, um, then the interaction actually lasts much longer. And I think this really speaks to the way that it's important for us to give cats a choice in yes. interactions. And actually, since, since the book was published, there's been some more research published on this, on interactions with cats that was done by Dr. Lauren Finker and colleagues at the Battersea Cats and Dogs Home. Yes. Um, and that really also speaks to the importance of giving cats a choice. So they had people come into the shelter and gave them guidelines for interrupting interacting with a cat and also they observed some fairly naturalistic interactions with the shelter cats although they did give a few guidelines even then they still said don't pick the cat up because you know they didn't want the shelter cats to feel stressed at all and again they showed that it's really important to give the cat a choice um it it is going to go much better if the cat has a choice of whether or not to interact and if you wait for them to come to you instead of you reaching out towards the cat and although I think a lot of us instinctively know this but there are still so many people who will be trying really hard to interact with the cat and reaching out to the cat and you know wanting to make a fuss of them and it it is perhaps a bit more difficult to calm down and wait and see if the cat will come to you but it works much better and I think that's really helpful especially for people who don't know cats to learn because I think some of the stereotypes about cats come from people not understanding cats at all and that's one of those basic misunderstandings that so many people have. Well, that report, that the study that you've talked about, which is the one that I had read recently before our conversation today, it, it basically said, you know, you're misunderstanding how cats want to interact with you and whether they do want to interact with you. And you're just, you're putting wrong labels on it. I think that the funny thing about the reaching out, not reaching out in, in any situation that I've ever heard of or experienced when you have cats in your house, people aren't allergic, but they don't care for cats. So they do no interacting with the cat. And the cat always goes to that person. I mean, always. Like it's almost, and everyone will always comment, oh, that cat's really evil. Ha ha. Because it knows this person doesn't like cats. No, it turns out scientifically, it's going in the way it wants to without being pressured having the choice yeah. to go check out the person. Sadly, it's checking out the person who least wants to interact with it, which is just sort of a wonderful kind of irony. But it, you know, you're saying for people who don't know much about cats, this is valuable. I would say it's more valuable for people who know everything about cats and have lived with them forever, with many different individuals. No one ever told them this. 
They thought, well, this oh, is the friendlier actually... cat because it will accept my my advances. When in fact, all of them would rather they make the choice when, where, and how. People don't realize that, Sazzy. It, it was kind of eye-opening to me. And actually, I, I do need to come back to that because the recent study that I mentioned, some of the work by Dr. Lauren Finker, she has actually found that the people who say that they know cats well were not necessarily the ones that were interacting with cats in the exactly. you know the best ways according to the guidelines. So I think... Part of that is probably that when people think they know cats, they've got a lot of experience with cats. They're not actually learning so much about cats as when someone who's new to cats will be keen to go and learn something. If you've been around cats all your life, you tend to think that you know quite a lot about them already. So you're not expecting to learn new things. And that is one of the reasons I wrote the book, because there is so much new information about cats that I think it is just really helpful to people to know. I think that is the best reason. I mean, Purr is really a book for people who are already cat-centric and immersed in cats and view themselves as, I'm a crazy cat person and, and proud of it. But in fact, we're only doing the things that are instinctive to humans and that we saw modeled from the time perhaps we were children or in a cartoon, whatever it may be. We were never taught, any of us growing up, about dogs or cats what their perception of the world was, what they felt like, what they wanted, and that they should have free will. These ideas are all brand new, brand spanking new. So the more you're immersed in cats, the more you might be astounded, but perhaps delighted to learn from the book, Purr, that some of the things that you thought you knew or came into you instinctively were great, right on the money. And a lot of things were like, "Uh uh-oh, really, I had no idea. And then when you practice some of the things in the book, by reading Zazie's evaluation of the research, like the one about the gaze, that one's really interesting in the same chapter, and you can describe that. If you practice them, you really get aha moments of thinking, I got it. I see. Okay. I can change what I do because I'm human. I read books. I listen to podcasts. I can take in this information. And anyway, I'm the one who needs to change because the cat is always going to be the cat. So that's very true. Right? I mean, we're the only ones who can change. It's like that, you know, aphorism you can't change other people's behavior. You can only change your reaction to it. You can't change what comes naturally to a cat or what the cat feels or needs or wants. You can change your perception of it and the way you then change your interaction. Talk about this human gaze because we've kind of known it about dogs. And we were always told, oh, dogs grew up, you know, from 10,000, 100 million years, whatever these facts are about cavemen and so forth, that the dogs are really watch our facial expressions and they're tuned into our moods, emotions, what we're looking at. No one's ever said it until what you've written here of other people's research about cats. No one ever thought cats were paying close attention to us. And it's so interesting because the research on dogs being able to follow a pointing gesture, there were two studies that came out from different research groups at the same time, pretty much, that showed that dogs actually could follow a pointing gesture. And this was when people thought they couldn't. So it was like really big news. Yes. Um, And that is said to be the thing that really kicked off all the interest in canine science. And so 
studying cats in that kind of way is a bit more difficult, especially because it's quite difficult to take cats into a lab to take part. Forget in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's much better if you test them in their own home. And obviously, they have to be the kind of cat that will accept a stranger coming into Correct. the home and interacting with yes. them. So scientists have shown that about 70% of cats, not all cats, but most of them, can follow a pointing gesture, like when you're pointing with your hand at, at a an upturned box to show which one contains food. They can follow that. And also, subsequently, it's been shown that if you, instead of pointing with your hand, you just gaze at the, yes. the place where the food is, they can follow your gaze as well. So I think that's really interesting. And then another thing is that if the food is actually made inaccessible to them so they can't get it, I think they found, I think it was 42% of cats so it's not all cats for this one, it, it, but it is a sizable minority. We'll actually gaze at the person that's right. as if they're asking for help to yes. get at the food. And yes. I think that's really interesting. And of course, if our kitties want help, we want to help them. So it's nice to know that many of them have have got this ability to kind of ask us to help them to get something that they can't reach. And so this is showing that cats pay attention to us and they notice our gestures um, so they notice when we're pointing or gazing at something. And then from other research, we also know that they listen to as well. As, as well. So yes. I think it shows just how much we matter to cats and how much attention they are paying to us, which, again, it goes against those stereotypes of cats as not caring about people. Of course they do. They pay so much attention to us. Um, and it shows that they have these big cognitive abilities, actually, of being able to follow the, the, the point or the gaze. Um, and it's it's uh, really interesting. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more research on cats' cognitive abilities that shows just how amazing they are. I think it will raise their status in society. I mean, I don't know what good it will do for the community cats, the colonies of cats that are looked after um, outside of people's homes because their status is pretty low. But I think it will raise their status as companion animals and, I hope, open people's eyes to the possibility of that human-animal bond being wider and deeper than anybody realized. I guess what really sounds feels sad to me is you're right. It was I have the book in front of me, 42% of cats. If the food that is part of the little experiment you're doing is inaccessible, they will look up at you, let's say pleadingly or hopefully, but we aren't noticing Zazie. That's the sad part because we didn't know they I were know. having that interaction with us. We didn't recognize it. We ignored it. Be like a little child, a nonverbal human trying to get our attention without screaming, Mommy! You know, it's it's so sad. They're trying to make connection. And I would posit that it would be much higher than 42% if the cats already had some belief, faith, or understanding that the person was paying attention to their interspecies gazing. Because if you get ignored enough, it extinguishes behavior. I mean, that's true of any behavior, right? Good or bad. So maybe that cat looked many times like, uh, you know, I really want you to turn on the water fountain or the faucet or whatever the thing is the cat was wanting to tell you with a gaze and you never noticed if you ignore them enough times or even they go to their litter box and go ay yeah yeah you forgot to scoop it and give you a look like seriously i'm sure they give us looks all the time but if we're not it's like you know message sent is not message received if you don't have your antenna up to receive those messages I think it's. I think the work you've done in this book, in pulling together the work of all these other people, is so important because I just think it. 
it should give us more respect for cats, more admiration, and more recognition of how much deeper and fuller our relationship could be if we do the right thing by them. Yes, absolutely. I think the more that we know about cats and we're able to try and do things with them, I think the more we're going to get out of our relationship with them. And it it does make me feel a bit sad that I think there are probably so many cats, pet cats, who need more from their guardians. And I hope people will, will learn to pay more attention to their cat and interact with their cat more in the ways that the cat likes. And I think it would make a big, big difference both to the person and to their cat. Totally agreed, which means that buying Zazie Todd's book, Per the Science of Making Your Cat Happy, is a really big step on the road to that. It, it's full of surprises and delights, and it will make life better for your cat. I'm pretty sure it's going to make life better for you, too, because when we have a deeper bond with another species who shares our home and our hearth and our hearts, it can only benefit us as well. Zazie, thank you for this wonderful book. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based as in many cat foods, which can compromise cats' health. Clean protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.